How old does that make you? I'm 32, Mr. Dunn. And I'm here celebrating the fact that I spent another year scraping dishes and waitressing, which is what I've been doing since 13. And according to you, I'll be 37 before I can even throw a decent punch. Which, after working this feedback for a month, I get nowhere, I now realize maybe God's simple truth. Other truth is, my brother's in prison. My sister cheats on welfare by pretending one of her babies is still alive. My dad is dead, and my mama weighs 312 pounds. If I was thinking straight, I'd go back home, find a used trailer, buy a deep fryer and some Oreos. The problem is, this is the only thing I ever felt good doing. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rotten Potatoes. I am one of the four boys, Zach, with four of my buddies. We are watching movies you absolutely should have already seen. And welcome to the second installment of Bummer Summer. Bummer Summer, Bummer Summer. Who's bummer, the fourth summer, buddy? Bummer, summer, bummer. Did I say four buddies? Uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, well, we are four buddies. Yeah, we're well, like he said a he's pack. here with four buddies. No, I, th- I think he said he's one of the four buddies. I uh, think I said both. Yeah. But uh, let's just uh, ignore it. Yeah, that Pretend sounds like good to me. Happen. Yeah, let's do that, Jake. I'm buddies number yeah. two and three. No. You, you count as two buddies? Yeah. I think, I think Onyx is the fourth buddy, if anyone is. Is Onyx, this is the first time we've uh, mentioned Onyx. Is, are we going to have to introduce a new character? He's been mic'd every episode. Yeah, he's yeah, in every he's episode. In everyone, so. Yeah. Oh, have uh, has he been? I've just missed him. Then, he subs for me half the time. Half the time, <laughs> I'm not even the one talking. Gotcha. That's, that's the what. That's the reason why Scott picks such terrible movies. Sometimes it's because <laughs> Onyx picked them. Yeah, Onyx just like that scene in taste. Independence Day where the dog gets away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's exactly. not a fan of I Am Legend. Yeah. Onyx so is a dog, he, by the way. Yeah. And if you haven't picked up on it, we're recording remotely, which is why we're kind of talking over each other. Yeah, we do that a lot when we record remotely. Uh, It's had to happen now several weeks in a row, and we apologize, but uh, we're doing the best we can for you guys so that uh, we continue to, to turn out these episodes. Yeah, our schedules are a little crazy, so it's been tough for us to get together. Um, and Jake refuses to get vaccinated, so um, right, we yeah. don't want to put ourselves at risk. <laughs> that's so very really anti-vax. Just throw Jake out on blast. Yeah, like that? that's actually not true. What it is is uh, I got my first dose, and I thought that was enough. You know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Plus, Scott's gotten one of all the vaccines, so I'm a little nervous to be around him, too. Oh, so Scott got, like, one Pfizer, but then the second Moderna. Right, yeah. exactly. And he got the J&J just to be safe. Just for the blood I clots. got the Russian one, too. Yeah. <laughs> what was that, Scott? The Russian one? I got that one, too. <laughs> you got the Russian one? That one's hard to yeah. get, isn't it? You have to be in Russia. <laughs> nice. How'd That's why that we're off? recording remotely. <laughs> I flew to Russia. Oh, are you in <laughs> Russia right now? Yeah, we're doing this remote. I thought I had time. <laughs> I mean, you you did, so you're correct. Yeah, I just got it yesterday. Oh, how, how are you feeling? <laughs> if I die, I die. <laughs> Wrong boxing movie. <laughs> Wait, we're not doing Rocky Four. I don't. That's know. not Rocky no, Four. Oh, Rocky three? Is it Rocky three or Rocky four? It's Rocky the... four. I thought that yeah, was Rocky four. three. I was right. No, that's no. Mis- that's Mr. T. Mr. Three. Mr. Oh, T. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. 
It, it's a little tricky because the Rocky movies, like, uh, they begin and end with each other. Like, the, the ending and the beginning of each movie blend into each other. Yeah. So, uh, I get it. It can be confusing sometimes. Jake, how are you feeling about Bummer Summer so far? Well, I will tell you what. This one was rough. And I think it was made worse by the fact that I knew nothing about this movie. Like, going into this movie, I started and I was like, oh, it's about boxing? And then I was like, okay, Morgan Freeman is in this? Oh. And then I was like, Falcon is in this? And Ant-Man's friend? Uh, and then that's, that was the last happy thought I had. Mm. Actually, that's not gotcha. true. The first half of this movie I think is pretty fun, and I was super into it. But that's what made the back half so devastating. Pretty fun. Yeah. So before we before we like get too much into it, just in case anyone didn't realize, we are reviewing Million Dollar Baby this week. Oh, so not Rocky Four. Not Rocky Four or Three. Yeah. So Zach, you uh, you nominated this movie. I nominated this movie. Yeah. Um, I nominated it one because uh, it's a sad movie, and this is bummer summer. <laughs> but um, that's, that's one and two. That's <laughs> reasons one and two. Pretty much, yeah. No, but I had never seen this movie before, um, so I I kind of went out on a limb because I had heard people say that it was sad. Wait a second, you've never you seen serious? this? Yeah, I've never seen it. Wow. Wow. It was I a ghost mm-hmm. bummer summer pick. I feel so betrayed. I feel so betrayed. You feel what? Betrayed. Why? Because you signed us up for this bummer summer not even knowing what you were getting us into. I know. So uh, my my train of thought was either uh, it's going to be a big bummer um, and therefore I succeed or it's not and it's just a movie that we all like enjoyed and then it's like, well, we all liked it. All right. Well, but I think I succeeded because it was pretty sad. You definitely succeeded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew what I was getting into. Scott knew what he was getting yep. into. But Jake, you were a late bloomer to this, right? Yeah, I was flying completely blind. I think that if I didn't know that this is a bummer summer pick and then we hit the halfway point of the movie, I think I would have turned it off. <laughs> that's why I have you it. Really I think you actually kind of hurt yourself. That, by making that's what this I did. Yeah. Summer. So like, I watched In Bruges and I didn't know what it was, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of funny, kind of fun." And then I was like, "Oh, I'm not ready for this." And then I haven't finished it. <laughs> really? You still haven't finished it? No. <laughs> I'm gonna. The last scene, the last line of In Bruges, makes the whole movie worth it, in my opinion. I'm gonna come back and finish it, maybe for this podcast. I don't know what In Bruges is. It's just a bummer. Uh, it's a it's it's like a quirky dark comedy turned very sad movie. I'd never even heard of it. It's Colin Farrell stars and in uh, it. the Lord of the Dance Brend- stars. Brendan Gleeson. Jake, you're in it. Yeah. Well, uh, my double. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Yeah. Not Brendan Fraser. Not Brendan Fraser. That's your double. Br- oh yeah, yeah. Brendan, Brendan Gleeson. He uh, he's who famously played the Lord of the Dance, correct? Correct. Yes. In the Footloose cinematic universe. That's correct. The FCU. We, we do need to clarify though. I'm old fat Brendan Fraser. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I saw a picture <laughs> of him today. Like, and I was just like, that's not him, right? That's photoshopped. It wasn't. <laughs> he's really that old and fat now. He he looks awful. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I I was just now pulling up the texts that Jake sent me while he was watching Million Dollar Baby. And I just get a text that says, why'd you make me watch this stupid movie? <laughs> then he said, this is really bummer summer. And then a few minutes later, there's still so much left. <laughs> Boy, was there. Yeah. <laughs> and then we kind of got off topic for a little bit. And then just a few minutes later, how is this only getting worse? <laughs> Which I'm so curious to hear, like, what part of the, when did you say, how is this only getting worse? Is that when she bit her tongue off? Yes, that is exactly when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Like when it happened, well, I was like, because like watching, I was like, maybe this is just going to be a bummer at the end, you know? And then it happened halfway through the movie. Okay, okay. So, Jake, how much of this movie did you know? Did you know almost nothing? I told you. I literally turned on the movie and I was like, this is about boxing? Cool. Like, oh, I, that yeah, was yeah, as much as I You went in complete. Okay, so let me let me start. Uh, I'll start this off then. Actually, well, we, we need well, to we have we, And we also need to hear Scott's opinion and my opinion. Okay, okay. You guys just keep jumping the gun real hard. But... Scott, what uh, you had seen this movie before? Yeah, I had seen it before. Uh, I remember it being good, but I also remember thinking like I'm okay if I don't watch it again. Um, like I, I remember it being something good, and that it was sad. I specifically remembered the scene where she falls and hits her neck right on the the chair, and I'm like, I don't want to watch that again. But of course, we picked it for the pod, watched it again this time. Still a good movie, and I will probably once again not watch it again unless I have some other podcast that makes me do it. Uh, yeah, I, I had watched it once before as well. I watched it uh, like not long after it came out in theaters. Uh, my family decided to, uh, to rent it. And uh, man, it was, uh, it was very, very sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, that's all I remember from the movie. I only remembered the sad bits. And so like when the movie starts off, like the first half of the movie, I'm like, when does it get sad? Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember any of this, like mildly enjoyable, like kind of lighthearted, like Rocky w- one from the perspective of Mick movie. Mm-hmm. Like that's what like the first half of this movie was. And, uh, and, and then of course it, it, for me, the turning point is, uh, is the, when she buys the house for her mother. Oh yeah. That's the turning point where it's like, and here here, comes the bummer. Here comes bummer. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, man, I, I really loved it. Honestly, like bummer or not. I think this is a fantastic movie. I think it's incredible. And, uh, I think it's absolutely a movie you should have seen. I feel like, uh, I feel like when she buys the house for her mom, that's like when you're on splash mountain and you like, kind of do that little dip yeah yeah and then when she breaks her neck is like when you go down like the big slope at the very end and but it's like you just keep doing that for 45 minutes yeah yeah no my jaw hit the floor when she hit the chair and i did not close my mouth until they were in the hospital (laughs) (laughs) well okay wait hold on jake because i i want to hear your thoughts but i want to hear them all at the same time okay so yeah uh, let's uh Let's do a little bit of just the facts. Uh, so Million Dollar Baby was uh, directed by Clint Eastwood, which should have been a shoe-in for Jake to, to love it. Uh, but it was written by Paul Haggis, which was a shoe-in for Jake to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so we have like a really mixed bag here with that. Uh, for those who don't remember, Paul Haggis also uh, did Crash. Uh, he wrote and directed Crash. He was also supposed uh, to this direct this, but then Clint Eastwood just said he wanted to. So Haggis said, okay. <laughs> That's the most Clint Eastwood <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Uh, this movie uh, was released January 28th, 2005, just in time for, you know, the, the late end of Oscar season. Let me say uh, real quick, too, that they started filming the July prior. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was like a quick turnaround. Very quick turnaround. Hmm. Uh, the other guys gave this a 90%. IMDb has it at an 8.1. Uh, this was definitely a... a pretty big hit in the box office it did 217 million dollars on a 30 million dollar budget and then of Sorry. course it was a, a darling at the at the oscars it won the academy award for best picture uh best lead actress for hillary swank best supporting actor for uh morgan freeman best director for clint eastwood and if i'm not mistaken i'm pretty sure jake may know better that this was his first directorial oscar I thought he won one for uh, Pale Rider or something, but I could be wrong. You know what? I don't know about Pale Rider, but I do know that he's actually won Best Director for Unforgiven in 1992. Oh, which we're doing soon. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the first of three Clint Eastwood movies we're doing in three months. <laughs> and and I know that because, uh, funny enough, this is the second movie that won Best Picture and Best Director that Clint Eastwood Directed, produced, starred in, that's also starring Morgan Freeman. Oh, wow. And the yeah. other one was Unforgiven. Wow. Wait, Morgan Freeman's in Unforgiven? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, what's okay. his name? Gene Hackman is in it, I think. Right? Nice. Yeah, Scott and I are going into Unforgiven uh, like Jake went into this movie. So... Jake, I'm I'm hoping it's good and it's not a the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> well, here's Scott, what I'll you say: need to, you need to I want to like your it. expectations. Well, I want to like it. I I'm gonna raise your expectations a little bit. It did beat a few good men for best picture. Okay, so okay. it won All right. with okay. stiff competition. <laughs> no, that that was probably a bad thing to say because now I'm going in with very high, okay. very high expectations. <laughs> That's like I, our fifth rated movie. Yeah. on this podcast, I'll taper your expectations in that I started Unforgiven and got about 20 minutes in, and I stopped because I was bored. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, this movie was nominated for and did not win uh, best lead actor for Clint Eastwood. Uh, uh, for Clint Eastwood. Uh, best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Editing. I have a question about the Oscars, because I'm confused about something. So Hilary Swank won Best Lead Actor, but Actress. Actress. So they, they were both the lead? Uh, there is always, for the Oscars, there's a lead actor, a lead actress, a supporting actor, and a supporting actress. But like the, the, the same movie can have a lead actor and lead actress? That's fine? Yeah. Yeah, because they were playing off each other the whole time. Both of them are the, the protagonist of the story. We see the the story from both of their perspectives interchangeably throughout the movie. Uh, and so they would be... This, this movie and some movies, like uh, in a couple of weeks, we're doing uh, Lethal Weapon, uh, and that has co-leads. Uh, you know, like they're, they're, it's equally about both of them. And so the, this movie had, it was co-led uh, by Eastwood and Swank. Okay. Here's another question about the Oscars. Is that just another 
name for the Academy Awards? Yes. They're the same thing, right? Well, the Academy Awards is the proper name. Okay. The Oscars is just the name of the award. Like the trophy they get. Yeah, and it's not even the real name of the award. It's just like a nickname that stuck like for the last hundred years. Like someone named their trophy Oscar. No, no, no. They named the man. Oh, okay. They named the man Oscar. Like just the Academy, they needed something to call the figurine. Uh And so they just randomly kind of named him Oscar. It stuck. And now in billing, like when you see ads, it's like, uh, you know, next week is the Oscars. And so we just call him the Oscars, but the proper name is the Academy Awards. Got it. That's a little fact I didn't know. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Little facts you didn't know. I appreciate it. Jake's here for uh, the the lulls, so say something funny, clown. <laughs> oh, that was aggressive. That was like season two Zach vibes. I, wanna, I mean, we're, I guess we're already home. I just want to go lie in my bed. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, speaking of all of us having a, a unique role uh, and all of us bringing something to the table, uh, we collectively are coming together to bring you guys something to the table very soon. Uh, prompted by 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 our listeners, uh, we are going to be having some merch coming coming your way in the very near future. Uh, we've been working on it today, and we'll be working on it for the next couple of weeks, and and hope to uh, hope to soon have some. Uh, some merch that you guys can pick up. Yeah. We pro- we really won't make any money off it, but people have just kept asking us. Like, I think my favorite merch that we're selling is the Ziploc bag of uh, tater tots. Yes. Yeah. We. This mm. was prompted by a fan throwing a brick through my window that said, "Make me tots, clown." <laughs> <laughs> I think that was just Scott. Oh, that was that was me. Okay. Jake. I'm sorry. Make make me tots, clown. <laughs> I'm a I'm a drive by totter. <laughs> you drove far. <laughs> yeah. You didn't stick around. <laughs> it was worth it for the lulls. <laughs> Just for this conversation, Jake. That's gonna be expensive. <laughs> All right. Uh Jake, I'd love to hear you kick off the conversation about this movie though. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the conversation I don't, I don't know how to kick it off exactly. Like, I really, I liked the movie. I was super into it. I like boxing stuff. Love Clint Eastwood. Love Morgan Freeman. The Falcon is in it. I didn't like him. He was kind of a dick. Uh, I don't know if we can say that. Maybe we should believe it. How, how do you feel about Jake Baruch, Bar- Baruchel or however you say Oh, is that Danger? Name? Danger. Yeah, yeah, I liked him. He was fun. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like a, like a chair to the neck. Uh, it hits you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was having such a bad time for the rest of the evening. I was alone in my house and it was about midnight <laughs> when I stopped watching this and I was like, I need to do anything else. Like I need a palate cleanser, turn on SpongeBob, watch that. And then I go to bed, but it didn't help. Question for you, Jake. Did you like one, did you know that I hadn't seen this movie before? No, I didn't. So I was texting yeah. you, and I was like, he must know what happened and why I'm texting him, because he did this to me. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, I, I haven't really gotten into to my story with this movie yet. I knew, I kind of knew, like, the basic plot. Like, I had heard at some point that uh, she, like, ends up having to go on life support and that 
Clint Eastwood takes her off of life support. So I, I knew it was going to be a bummer. I knew it was going to be a doozy. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't really know much of like the, the plot other than that. But uh, I was also watching this movie on a plane. Um, and my plane... There? What was that? Was there snakes on that plane? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not relevant <laughs> to the joke. story. Good joke. <laughs> <laughs> I just love to see it. Not even a word, just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's some snakes. Um, I think they made a, a movie about it. But uh, anyways, I was watching this movie... And my plane lands right when she breaks her neck. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so it was like the crunch of the tires on the runway were the same crunch? <laughs> it was the same crunch, yeah. You thought you hit an animal <laughs> with your plane? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> That's the as last thing as, that went through my as, mind. <laughs> as soon as the wheels hit the tarmac, your heart hit your toes. Uh, essentially, but the thing is, the the funny thing about it is that like I had to stop watching the movie to, to get off the plane. So you just got to sit so, in that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But like the thing is, is that uh, not really like because I was also like getting off my plane and like looking for my next. So like base more so like I just I stopped thinking completely about the movie. So then by the time I got back to the movie, I was on my next plane. So it kind of softened the blow a little bit because like uh. I had no time to like really sit and actually like I I could see it coming because I feel like, you know, it's shot to where you can totally see like something bad is really going to happen. I had a lot of anxiety in that scene. And then when I got back to the movie, I was a little less invested in it. I'm going to be honest. So it's almost that like I like subjected you guys to this really like pretty big bummer and I didn't even get the full effect of it. Too bad, uh, too bad Makushla didn't have uh, have the blow softened like you did. I know. Too bad. She could have really gone on to, to be something. Also, that chick is exactly. in jail, right? She has to be. That's what I said to Scott. Like, when, the, when it happened, I was like, oh, she's for sure going to prison for that. <laughs> and she was just standing there like, oh, what happened? <laughs> oh. oh man, was, did I do that? <laughs> is she urkled oh, it? Did, she urkled it, yeah. Did your neck break, Makushla? <laughs> oh. And I knew that. <laughs> uh, Zach, how did you like the movie um, as far as you said, like, you had to stop watching it right there? Do you think that would have been a good end point if that was the whole movie? Like, if it just, or like... Or do you feel like the last 40 minutes added value? Like, if it <laughs> cut to black, like, right at the crunch? Yeah, like she went blind or something? <laughs> so then, like, like we, we saw the her. last 45 minutes, but it's just... <laughs> of from a black of view. screen? <laughs> It's just well, that's not what I was originally asking, but I like where we're going with this. This is, this is good development of questions. Like, you just hear audio of just, like, Clint Eastwood just, like, grunting and, like, just <laughs> complaining. Just reading poetry in Gaelic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would actually be... I would really love that if the last 45 minutes was just a completely black screen and Clint Eastwood reading poetry in Gaelic. <laughs> Talk some Yates to me. And then it's just uh, Hillary Swank, please kill me. <laughs> um, no, I thought the movie was good. I, I liked it a lot. I liked it more than, like, I expected to like it, um, but I liked it even more than I thought I was going to. Uh, to answer your question, Scott, I think the last 45 minutes are good. I enjoy them. 
uh, or I, I enjoyed it, I should say. Um, I thought everyone did a really good job except Clint Eastwood. I thought he kind of sucked. Um, but I thought Hillary Swank was really good. Um, I thought she, I thought she like knocked it out of the park. Um, I thought Morgan Freeman was fine. I really could have done without danger, to be honest. I just felt like that didn't really add very much to the story. It just felt like some fat that could have been trimmed. Um, I thought it was weird that also this is the only time I can think of then that Falcon has played like a douchebag. Like uh, I feel like he usually, oh, I haven't seen that movie. What? I don't want to yeah, watch it. For I, mean, say, I think Falcon was the first time I saw him play not a douchebag. Wh- when else does he play a douchebag? These two movies. Besides I've Eight Mile. Oh, wait, this is it? Things. You haven't seen Hurt Locker? I haven't seen Hurt no, Locker. No. I, I like saw like parts of it, but no, I never sat down and watched it. Oh. I think Hurt Locker's on our list, it's on our list for somewhere. this year. You haven't seen that one episode of Black Mirror? No, I couldn't get past the first couple no. episodes. They made me feel gross. And then I was like, okay. Gotcha. I think I saw the first two seasons of Black Mirror, but that's it. I think there are only two seasons. There's like four. Any- no, there's there's four now. Oh. Yeah, there's two more. Anyways, um, I I like Clint Eastwood as a director. Like, I feel like... Uh, I feel like you're always going to get something solid, but I feel like he, as a director, kind of plays it safe a little bit. Um, and so I feel like there's, I feel like there's like a ceiling of like how good a Clint Eastwood movie is going to be, and like it can still be good, but I, it's not gonna, it's not gonna blow your mind like. I mean, in my opinion, like a David Fincher, uh, Tarantino, a Coen Brothers movie, a PTA movie may. Um, and so I, I feel like I kind of knew what to expect just in terms of style um, and maybe like character development and whatnot. Um, I felt like some of the dialogue was a little cheesy. Maybe I'm just not a huge Paul Haggis fan, but um, it, not enough to really bother me. Overall, I really, really liked this movie. I was super bought into Hillary Swank's character. Um, super bought into her. I, I really uh, empathized with her and, and really enjoyed watching her character develop and uh, I mean, I you know, as as uh, much as I joked about the the plane transition kind of like softening the blow for me, like I, I still did really feel for her character. Um, and uh, yeah, I really liked the movie all around. I did notice when you listed um, all those directors that do really well, you forgot Roland Emmerich. Oh yeah, you yeah. did. <laughs> You're right. I'm. I am sorry. He's like a he's like a Mount Rushmore director. He he's yes. S tier. Yeah. Those are like A tier. Like he did uh, Richie Rich. Is that what you mean by Mount Rushmore? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's correct. Uh, you know, it's funny, Zach, that you said that. Because uh, at first, I when you first said that Clint Eastwood is a little bit like plain or plays it safe. My initial reaction was to say, like, oh, no, he doesn't. Uh, Because, mostly because he leans a lot into how he shoots dialogue. Uh, And I feel like he does a really good job as because he was an actor that became a director. He does a really great job at, uh, at, at coaching actors to really deliver some of their best performances. Um, 
But I think, like, I agree with you that, like, certainly he's not as prolific as some of those people that you mentioned. Um, but each of those have very different, like, I, I want to say, like, uh, like niche, like, looks and styles. Uh, like, David Fincher, I can tell a David Fincher movie without you telling me it's David Fincher. And if it's not, it's someone who's copying Fincher. And same with PTA. And same with... Uh, um, I can't remember who the other person like that you Cohen's mentioned, or Tarantino, Tarantino, or even right. like Tarantino. a Scorsese. Yeah, like I can, I can tell. Like they're they're kind of like at this point they're masters at at exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. Whereas Eastwood, I think as a director, tends to be a little bit broader and can like uh, like paint with uh, different palettes. Uh, and I think that that's impressive. And I think that he paints the best picture with the palette that he has. Uh, whereas, you know, some of these other guys will stack their palette to just all of their films look and feel very, very similar uh, to each other. And so I, I agree with you that he's not those people. But I actually think that Eastwood is... I think he's significantly a better director than he is an actor. And I think that he deserves to be among some of these, you know, Spielbergs and uh, Coen brothers and uh, Fincher and some of these directors that are household names that we talk about over and over and over again. I think he's absolutely earned his place there. I th- I think I would agree with you um, on most of what you said, but I I feel like uh, I think what I mean to say is, and uh, like again, I haven't seen all of his movies. Obviously, there's a few of his more noteworthy ones that I still haven't seen. Obviously, like The Unforgiven, um, but his movies always to me feel very formulaic. It feels like they they all kind of hit some of the same beats, um, and so that's kind of what I mean by that. Yeah, and, and I would say that that is typically maybe he uh, is a bad director at reading scripts. Like maybe he does a bad like he just, you know, pick picks up or gets picked up to direct scripts that aren't as uh, like maybe well written. Mm-hmm. Whereas like someone like Fincher, someone like Chris Nolan, uh, they're extremely Tarantino writes his own stuff. But, like, they're extremely choosy over the scripts that they pick up. Whereas I think maybe Eastwood isn't a... He's not a, a script director. He's he's an actor director. For sure. Uh, so, Jake, I, I am curious. Um, like, did you... Halfway through this movie, when you described this as a fun movie... Did you think that, like, I was wrong, like, that I I ended up not picking a bummer movie? Like, did you just think, like, oh, maybe this is just actually a cool movie? Uh, No. What I was starting to think was it was just going to end on a bummer, you know, where I was like, I I, maybe fun was the wrong word, but I was I was enjoying it a lot, you know, and like, I I don't think that it got to be a bad movie halfway through, but uh, I stopped enjoying it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> so so what did you expect? Like going in, like scale of zero to to super bummer. How bad did you think it was going to be? And then how bad did it end up being? Well, the thing is, is like I didn't. I don't think I had a good barometer because your first pick was Zodiac, and yeah. it wasn't that much of a bummer. 
So, so like on the bummer scale, where does Zodiac land? Uh, well, in delightful. Yeah, like in <laughs> delightful. Like with this uh, dwarfing it, you know, like if we had to pick like <laughs> yeah. a like a one to ten, I would put this. I would put Zodiac at like two, and I would sure. put I would put this at like six, just because I want to leave myself some room for whatever's coming next. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, now I'm going to expect probably way worse. So for Bummer Summer 3, I'm going to come into it miserable already. <laughs> uh, okay. We really are getting rolled into the deep end, which I appreciate. I think we uh, were thrown into the deep end. We were not rolled. <laughs> <laughs> you think we're in the deep end, Jake? It's, I, I, it's getting I feel worse, like Jake. I feel like what Zach did, uh, this is just me not knowing what's coming. I don't know if Tyler knows what's coming. Um, I don't. I don't. But it's like we were on like a, like a dunk tank. And then somebody threw and then missed. It, but that was Zodiac. <laughs> and then we got hit, and and then it just like kept going. And I was like, surely there's a bottom to this dunk tank. <laughs> and there just wasn't. But the dunk tape was filled with acid. Yeah. And and children's tears. Yeah. So yeah. somebody's gonna pour gasoline I'm, on top of that next week, I guess, or next bummer summer, <laughs> and then light that on fire. If you think we're in the the deep end right now, Jake, expect an ocean. Oh. An ocean. <laughs> that's the most. Look around with with no oceans. Nine. That's the most intimidating thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> Expect an ocean with Jake no is, land around in sight. Jake is truly scared. Yeah, I'm not that scared because I don't feel like it gets that much more bummer. Oh, it does. I've seen like on like bummer movies. This is I, I mean, I actually agree with Jake having seen a lot of bummer movies and having seen a lot of bum, bummer movies with Zach. This is probably a six. Out of what 10. do you what do you think is the most bummer movie we've watched together, Tyler? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's got to be human centipede, too. <laughs> that That's a different kind of bummer. <laughs> yeah, it's just a bummer. I watched it. That's, not a that's that's a that's a that that made me question it, my own humanity. It made me bummed that I watched it. It made me bummed that like someone made it. It made me bummed <laughs> that like it was ever an an idea to begin with. Uh, I vote right now that we all get a veto, and I vote that I use that on Human Centipede too. Mm. Zach would never pick Thank that. Thank goodness. Yeah. yeah, we would. One, it's not a movie you actually should have seen. It's a movie that should absolutely be destroyed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It should be like those yeah. ET games just buried like, in the desert. If aliens ever like pick up on our broadcasts and that's what they pick up on, they're like, no, nah, we're not going to. <laughs> they're moving on. Yeah. They're like, nope, never mind. They're just going to blow us up on their way past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a mercy killing. Killing. <laughs> I haven't even seen it. I've just heard what it what happens. Yeah, it's 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 rough. It, it's absolutely a movie. That you you I don't even wish really need to hear. You just need to hear the title, and that's enough yeah. to pass. And you're like, yeah. all right, yeah. It's like I feel like Human Centipede one. Like you hear Human Centipede, and you're like, that's a bummer. And then you hear that somebody made a second Human Centipede movie. <laughs> And that makes it so much worse. I think just any, Honestly, any title, how, any movie title that has centipede in it, like, you know that you're not being set up for a good time. Any title that has the word human as, like, a descriptor for something, <laughs> yeah. I'm not into it. Honestly, honestly, what got us into watching this, because I feel like it, it needs to be said, and Zach can correct my recollection, 
but we watched Human Centipede one mostly on like a this will be funny, like let we'll like have this on sort of in the background and lull at it at how gross and awful it is, and it ended up not really being much of anything. Like we were like, oh, that was nothing. Like why does anyone make a big deal out of this? Yeah, let's watch the second one, and dear God, it was just it 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 went from zero to. It was like starting Bummer Summer off with Zodiac and then going to Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> it was exactly so like, like that. after Human Centipede one, you're like, oh, being in a Human Centipede, that wouldn't be that bad. You know, I'm into it. Uh, no, I just mean like the movie wasn't. I just mean I think like that's exactly what they're yeah, saying. I think so. I just I think I, they're saying that you're volunteering, actually. I just mean that like the movie wasn't like it wasn't graphic. It wasn't like scary it wasn't you know uh grotesque really it was just like a a bizarre art house <laughs> yeah yeah like a bizarre art house movie i mean i still felt very sad for the human centipede and wouldn't necessarily want to volunteer to become one <laughs> but you're bought into no. it because you're calling them the human centipede and not those four people <laughs> those four people <laughs> that's what it is i mean they became the human centipede but those are those are like different people. <laughs> They're just so together. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not anymore. Anyway, let's move on from this so I don't have flashback nightmares tonight. Uh so Zach, uh it sounds like you're a little like down on this movie from like a film standpoint. Uh, I mean, no, I really liked it. Like, I'm going to rate the movie really high. Like, it, it, w- I, what I, I guess what I mean was that, like, uh, I don't, uh, how do I say this? Kind of like what I meant, like, that I feel like a Clint Eastwood, from what I've seen, a Clint Eastwood movie is never going to, like, blow my mind. Uh, Have I, you seen Space Cowboys? No. He didn't direct Is that, that. Is that a movie? <laughs> he did? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Are you positive? I just looked it up. Oh, wait. I, I went to go see what all he directed. Does that movie Space suck? Cowboys was there. I mean. It doesn't suck. I actually a, think it's a real fun time, it's but f- it's in the vein of like. It's a Roland Emmerich movie. Yeah, yeah. it's in the vein of like Independence Day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Clint Eastwood has made some clunkers. Like, I don't think any of his more recent movies have like gone on to do very well or have been like super critically received. I feel like he makes very straightforward movies. Um, that to me feel very formulaic and Tyler, you do bring up a good point. I think he does get really good performances out of his actor, uh, out of his actors. And I don't want to downplay that and say that that's like not a skill or that like that's, that's a skill that everyone has or that that's not a skill that directors need. Um, because it absolutely is. And he does do a really good job at that. I will say that, um, but I think more so from like a, a storytelling point of view, like I feel like his movies feel very straightforward. Um, but this is probably my favorite Clint Eastwood movie that I've seen. Like I think of, of the movies he's done that I've seen, this is probably my favorite one. I really loved the story. Um, it had a lot of heart. Uh, I, I really did feel a lot of like anxiety and foreboding during that scene. Um, Overall, I really liked it. I thought uh, I thought Hillary Swank did a really good job acting wise. I thought Morgan Freeman did a, a, a great job as well. I didn't think Clint Eastwood was super great. Um, he was the only one like every time he was on screen, I felt like I could just I was only seeing an actor acting 
and not a character, you know, not a person just living. Um, but I really don't have enough good things to say about Hillary Swank. I thought she was tremendous in this movie. Um, and I was doing a little bit of research. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, she obviously put on a ton of muscle for this movie. She did a ton of training. Apparently at one point she like gave herself a blister, uh, because like on her foot, because she was training so much that ended up getting infected. And it was like a really serious infection to where she almost had to be hospitalized for three weeks. Um, and she had to obviously like take some time off from filming, but she didn't end up telling Clint Eastwood about it because she didn't feel like that would have been in the character of Maggie. Interesting. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but more than the neck break, actually, I take that back. The neck break was pretty, uh, was a big bummer for sure. But I was almost about to say, uh, Maggie's family situation bumped me out more than her, her injury. Um, but it almost did like that part was an aspect of the movie. I didn't know going into it that really like broke my heart. And I, I thought when the family showed up to the hospital, it was a little overdone, like just a little bit. I thought them wearing the theme park shirts was like them trying <laughs> to sell it to us a little too much. But that aside, like that whole scene was pretty, pretty hard to watch. Oh, yeah. 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 I think the theme park shirts were unbelievable because it's like that would have meant that they left the theme park halfway through the day. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe they they, were, like, they were wearing it the next day because like are they going to change their shirt in the middle of the theme park? You know. And just like if you're going to show up and like try to be slick and try to be empathetic to like you know swindle your daughter out of her money, the last thing you're going to do is show up how, with proof that you went to Disneyland. You know. I I think that's just how uh, I I I that like tracked for me. Because of like everything that we had seen from uh, from them prior, uh, like they were just awful to her when she buys the house, mm-hmm. like truly awful to her, and like very in your face awful, like just unashamedly, and uh, but also like uh, maybe like I don't know, like unaware of how cruel they were being yeah that's a good point like so self-absorbed that uh they just don't even really see her uh or her feelings yeah and so that that it it actually tracked for me um and one thing that i want to point out um uh margot uh martindale i think that's her name is that right zach uh who maggie no the the mom the actress oh margot i don't know I have no clue. I'm pretty sure her name is Margot Martindale. I I love her and like she's such an unsung actress. Like I I think she's incredible and and I thought she did such a great job being such a hateable person in this movie. I have a question yeah. for you guys uh about a little bit before uh when she hit the chair did a small part of you hope that she died because I was like her life is going to be oh, so much yeah. worse if she lives. Yeah, 100%. I felt awful for feeling that, so I'm glad. I didn't wish she died. I, I wished for a miracle and that uh, she would just be fine. I just knew that that wasn't going to happen because <laughs> this was Bummer Summer. 
So I thought, uh, yeah, you knew better. You knew you knew that that you weren't going to get let off the hook that yeah, easy. Yeah. So I thought dead was the best outcome, and uh, I kind of stand by it because in the end, that's what she wanted to. I uh, I hoped that she would have to suffer, so that this would be Oof. as miserable as possible for you, Jake. Okay. And it actually got to a point where I was like, you know what, this this is a big bummer, but it could be a little worse. And then In the nurse said, oh, she bit off. And then the nurse said she bit off her tongue. And then I said, perfect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it Question. Is. Did she ever do paperwork um, for her assets or did her family end up getting her stuff after she died anyways? I assume it's unspoken, but I assume that she did some sort of paperwork after that. Like, you know, he helped her get a lawyer. Like, it's in, just not material, really, to the plot. She already told him off. and Yeah, I just think, like, in keeping with Bummer Summer, it'd be nice if she didn't do that <laughs> and her family still got uh, all the stuff. Instead of yes. the last shot being yes, Clint Eastwood at the, eating his pie, it's just them in a huge house. <laughs> they had taken out a life insurance policy on her for a million dollars. That's how I'd like to conclude that bummer summer movie. Yeah, what did uh what did you guys think of uh like also like not uh what do you think happened with the gym? Did Morgan Freeman just like start paying the bills and like like pretended like it was his gym from that point on i don't know i felt like from what his like narration said like all that stuff was still being taken care of he just never saw clint eastwood again so i assumed (laughs) clint eastwood was still like paying the bills and doing that stuff just never showed up he just moved off to wherever that was in between Uh here and there yeah because the money's still going into his account from the gym so you can just keep paying but he's just not there anymore because it reminded him. Speaking of, her. of uh, Morgan Freeman, and I guess the whole narration is him writing this letter to his daughter, right? Or to Clint Eastwood's daughter. Did they talk about yeah. what happened with his daughter and I missed it? Or did they just never get into that? No, they, they never really get into it. Okay. They're, they're just estranged. And, you know, it, we presume that, like, <clears throat> his lifestyle led him, his lifestyle and his... Uh, his guilt over what happened to Morgan Freeman led him to be a distant and disengaged father. And she's just written him off. Uh, But I had forgotten that the narration was the letter to the daughter. And that actually choked me up. I kind of took it as like a, you're welcome letter. Like, Hey, you're welcome that your dad was such a jerk because if he would have been nice, this would have happened to you instead of Hillary Swank. Are you being serious or no. joke? Oh. <laughs> like that is a much more bummer of a of a summer. Let me and tell that you. is the you're welcome for ruining your dad. That's the meanest priest of all time. <laughs> I, I oh, thought yeah, the, the same thing. Sucked. That priest had no business being a priest. I write my daughter every week, liar. <laughs> and then just that's the nicest thing he says to him. Just take a week off. Don't don't come to mass tomorrow. I liked him. That's that's the kind of uh, priest you aspire to be. If I ever become Catholic, that's that's what I'm shooting for. I will say that I I feel like this gets played out in movies a lot, and I have no experience whether this is true. 
but it gets played out in movies and TV shows a lot where Catholic priests just like lose faith but continue doing the job and are just miserable at what they do but they just keep doing it anyway because they have no other marketable skills or like you know any anything else to do i think that's true though but that, i think that's true across even like other religions like i've actually looked at like polling data on like pastors and it's something like 60 percent say they're only still in the position because they don't feel like they can do anything else Jeez. Wow. Talk about yeah, bummer I think summer. That bummed me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bigger that's a bigger bummer. And that's than... why the church in America is failing, is because sixty percent of them are led by people who don't want to do it. <laughs> Can we just play it uh, play it out there? Yeah. That's that that feels like uh like a good biting my tongue off uh to kill myself <laughs> moment. I think that just proves that we need some more Reverend Moores in uh, in this country. We, yes, yeah. Uh, Jake, we've heard what you thought of, but what has the Lord of the Dance thought of this movie? Yeah. He uh, was really just looking for clogs the whole time. <laughs> he's like, "When is that going to start?" Uh, Too few yeah. clogs. So did did you do like a slow somber waltz during this movie? Yeah, no, I, I I got out my tap shoes because they're a little bit less jaunty than uh, than clogs, and I less <laughs> jaunty. And I did so a, I did a, so I did a slow tap. Oh, a slow tap? Yeah. I did tap. Jake, if you would have been in Hillary Swank's position in that last fight. Dead? As Lord of the Dance. Oh, okay. Who do you, as Lord of the Dance, in the last fight, like, how would that fight have been different? I think that when she tried to punch me, I would have done some sort of dance move dip under the punch and then brought a, uh, brought a foot up because cause the clogs, there would. A clogged yeah. foot. Yeah. Would you have clogged Oh, her? absolutely. <laughs> You would have clogged her upside the head, you know. I'm, I'm can, would you I'm, have broken wait. her neck and then you would have went to jail? No, they couldn't have caught me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you would have clogged his way you right out of there. Would have just clogged their fingers yeah. as he was dancing. My clogs away. wouldn't I'm leave can, any footprints because they'd all be on people's hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. Can this boxer uh, withstand the power of the Lord of the Dance? Wouldn't she have to bow instantly? Well, I mean, worse things happen if you don't, and she'd be an example. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. She'd be an example. Worse than of clogging us. of the fingers. Clogging of the face is worse than clogging yeah. of the fingers. Clogged to the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scott, what? Uh, like, how would you? Like, Zach and I kind of like parried blows back and forth about Clint Eastwood yeah. movies. What do you think about Clint Eastwood movies, having now us together watched a few of them? Um, yeah, I, I would probably... I, I see both of your guys' points. Like, I would say Clint Eastwood, from a quick like perspective, seems very like middle-of-the-road, nothing special. Like, solid, but not great. Um, and I think of that like because of things like... I, I mean... We talked about it in that episode, but like Dirty Harry, I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, but I understand it's well liked by a lot of people. But then I understand uh, when you were talking about like some of these other actors and act, uh, not actors, some of these other directors and how they just kind of keep doing the same thing with their movies over and over again. I was like, well, I guess technically that's the safe thing. Like, okay, I've done this and I know it's good, so I'm just going to keep doing this thing. 
And I'm like, okay, well, that's actually safe. That's not like being adventurous in your movie making, trying to embark into new territories. So uh, I don't know if I would necessarily say Clint Eastwood's like trying to embark into new territories with his movies. Um, but it did make me think about some of these movies that we've reviewed where we've been like rating super high because we love them because they're really, really good. Uh, but it's like, okay, but they kind of do this with all their movies. Like, what would it look like to see something like new and fresh from them? Yeah, like it's a, and I mean, I will say Tarantino has done, I think all of these directors have done it at one point, but ultimately they, what they end up doing is, is just refining their, their particular craft, mm-hmm. like their tool really, really well. And like Tarantino obviously did it and, and Zach has talked about it on the pod when, when he saw, uh, I think it was Dark Knight, right? That he, uh, Nolan's Dark Knight, that he was like, oh man, I, I have to step up my game. And then after that came out with Inglorious Bastards. I don't remember I think, what movie. I, I think, think it was, it was Inception. Inception. Yeah. Oh, Inception. That's right. Inception. And, and so, and he did do that. Like when you look at his earlier work compared to the last, you know, uh, four movies that he's done, there really is like, a a departure in, in, uh, technique, but it's all still the same style. Yeah. I think, and, but maybe that's why some of these movies are so good is because they're really like Mm -hmm. dwelling in these categories. Oh yeah. And so everything becomes so well done. Do only what you can do, kind yeah. of a thing. They've found their they've found their market. Specialized. They found their specialization and they've honed it to perfection. And I, and I think that there's value in that. I don't mean to discount the value. Yeah, I that. mean I would rather have a world with all these fantastic movies. Yeah, than yeah. A world without it. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and I don't I don't think that Clint Eastwood's movies are like as diverse as you guys are maybe like kind of making it out to sound like. Because I feel like well. I, well I said I, I didn't think he was all that diverse either. I was just saying okay. he's not in that realm of those other actors or other directors. But go ahead. Oh, no, that I, that's kind of what all I was going to say. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I I think I just disagree with that. Um, and and, you know, I, not to say that, like, I'm right and you're wrong. Uh, but, you know, I think about, like, the tone, I think about the style, I think about, you know, the the technical direction, uh, differences between movies like this and American Sniper, or, you know, this and uh, True Crime or Gran Torino, like, they, they are very different, or The Mule, uh, like, they are very different tonally, they are very different technically, um, like it watching them like i wouldn't just know like oh this is a clint eastwood movie unless you told me it's a clint eastwood movie interesting i i feel like a lot of his movies have really similar tones and you have seen more than i have so maybe it's need to see more of his movies um but i feel like from what i've seen they all kind of feel tonally pretty similar yeah he's also made honky tonk man Firefox, Bronco Billy. I think I saw a review for <laughs> Honky Tonk Man. Those are all big bummer summer movies. Have um, you not seen Honky Tonk Man? I think I saw a review for it where somebody said, oh, most of the dialogue is delivered in grunts. Like it was a good thing. And I was like, I don't think I want to watch this. <laughs> I don't think I want to watch that. Man. 
now, and I will say, like, without a doubt, like, and and I want to hear from Jake now that we've spent some time talking about one of his idols. I want to hear how he feels about us maybe shit-talking one of his idols. Uh, but uh, I will say I don't particularly like him as an actor. I, I just like him as a director. I had a question yeah. about that. Real quick before you oh. jump into that. I, I feel like Clint Eastwood and Harrison Ford are, like, the same actor. <laughs> just 20 years just apart. like old and like the mouths don't move right <laughs> and like it's like are you trying right now i feel like the difference <laughs> between like harrison ford and clint eastwood is that uh harrison ford just seems to really not care uh just as a person about any movies that he's ever been in he seems to loathe them all uh, and I don't think that that's true of Clint Eastwood. Like, anytime you hear Harrison Ford talk okay. about Star Wars or Indiana Jones or Blade Runner, he just <laughs> hates that he was in them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Got it. So Clint Eastwood's trying harder than he is, but it's the same But it, it exactly, doesn't yeah. feel like Clint Eastwood still gives out the vibe that he doesn't, even though he clearly does, since he's still making movies. But he still has that DGAF vibe. Yeah, he's still making movies at what, like a hundred and two? Like how it, old he's, is he? He's he's much older than Harrison Ford, right? I think he's in his nineties, so. but I'm not. But the, thi- <laughs> the thing is, is that it seems like Clint Eastwood just stopped, and Harrison Ford has caught up to him. Like I feel like if you put them side by side, like I would be able to barely tell a difference. <laughs> what? Yeah, like as far as like the way Clint Eastwood aged, like he he hit old man Clint Eastwood, and then he stayed about the same age old man Clint Eastwood. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like they're they're oh, both yeah. just Agreed. in yeah. old man grumpy stage. Yeah, Clint Eastwood is 91 years old, and according to IMDb, he has seven upcoming projects. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it was just one. It was one. I'm sorry, he has one. Oh, yeah, he has one. a movie coming out this year, right? <laughs> This yeah. year, yeah. I'm called Jake. Cr- what was your question? Oh, yeah. Well, it was. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. It's going to be before a we get off because I, I was just going to say real quick because we talked about his age. I'm pretty sure he's the oldest person to win the best director Oscar. Oh, nice. I'm pretty sure. Well, he had a lot of tries at it. All right. I want to hear Jake's question. Um, actually. So, yeah, you guys were t- saying that you don't like him as an actor, but you like him as a director of actors. And I don't I, I don't know how like he gets the credit there like like what does he what do you think he's bringing to the table that he can get good performances out of his actors but cannot bring a good performance himself i mean i think i was the one person to say that i don't know if zach i think i thought zach said it too that statement i do agree with you but my only point of saying that is because i've seen now multiple movies that have a really great acting that he directed this uh, I thought Bradley Cooper killed it in American Sniper, uh, but I don't. I can't think of a time that Clint Eastwood ever wowed me as an actor. Yeah, I think what it is, Jake, is that he. Uh, I think the reason why I give him credit is partly because I've heard so many actors talk about that, like credit their performance with specifically the way that he directs, like. Uh, like how, like, and how different he is of a director from any other director that they've worked with. Um, and what he does, as I understand it from these interviews that I've heard is that Clint Eastwood really is, uh, very, like very patient with them and will like 
take them aside and rather than give them notes, just really like talks them through like their character a little bit and is very like soft spoken on the set where a lot of directors get really like agitated and angry. Like he's just like, uh, he's like Phil Jackson. Like people talk about him as like the Zen master of the set. Uh, and that's atypical for directors. And I, I think that that's because he spent a lot of time, he spent an entire career as an actor dealing with difficult directors and has just learned maybe not what to be, but what not to be, and has brought that all together to, to really pull the best out of his actors. Interesting. Okay, that, that just I thought it was interesting because I was like, if he doesn't know what to bring to it. I was wondering how he would get that out of anyone else. Um, what was the question we were going to ask yeah. me before I had a question? Yeah. How, how does it feel us, us uh, crap talking one of your, uh, one of your, your favorite people? Yeah. You know, uh, not great. I'm just used to it at this point. I'm beaten down. Um, <laughs> You're yeah, I do. Man. I love Clint Eastwood. Uh, I enjoy watching him, but I can see why you did not think that he did a good job in this movie, you know, where I was like, okay, he's, he just feels like he's actually a crotchety old man who maybe not, not doesn't want to be here uh, sometimes. Not your favorite performance of no, him? No, I liked it. I didn't think it was bad, but I could see why you thought that because like it did, did he feel any different than when I watched him in Gran Torino? Not really. I, you know, I, I yeah, don't remember yeah. Gran Torino that much. I haven't seen it in a while, but um no, I like him a lot. And I hear he's a nice guy, too. So Clint Eastwood's the same person in every single movie. I will say, though, uh, like I, I wasn't, you know, super fond of him throughout this movie, his, his performance. Uh, up until his his uh, conversation with the priest toward the end of the movie, I thought he <coughs> delivered that dialogue piece really well. Like that was the most believable that I saw him in the whole movie and it, and it was actually like, he sold it very well. Uh, I, I was very emotional in that scene, not because of the content, but because of the, the delivery. Yeah, no, I think I agree. I, I think, uh, he did. I forgot about that scene. I think because I was just so focused on, uh, how upset I was, but that was, that was great. <laughs> I agree. All right. Well, any, any final thoughts, any, uh, any uh like what really worked for you or what really didn't work that you didn't get the chance to talk about or any uh recasts favorite parts favorite lines uh you know what part that did feel a little corny to me but still i enjoyed watching morgan freeman knock out uh falcon (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh and then he only has one glove and then he takes it off and he said well how many fights did he do and then he says the next number yeah um yeah, it was like 110 yeah. or something like that. <laughs> I yeah. will say, I was like pretty excited to see Michael Pena <laughs> in this movie. And then he had like <laughs> two lines. Yeah, and it was mostly no repeating part. what yeah. Anthony Mackie said. <laughs> right? Yeah, repeating yeah. it in like the, yeah, in just like the most like cliche Mexican accent. It's funny that uh, one of the things that I think really worked for me that Zach early on you said was fat that you would trim was actually the danger uh story arc Mm -hmm. um i actually really liked that because it it got to be a like full circle because he we start the movie uh 
with of course like Clint Eastwood in the fight with Willie uh and like you know uh him coaching him but then uh we we go to like narration like that's all part of you know opening narration and uh and uh, Morgan Freeman says that uh, he only ever saw one fighter who is really all heart. And we start with danger. And it's like, is that who he's talking about? That like all he has is heart, you know, because that's what he was saying. And it wasn't him. Of course, it was it was Maggie. Um, but then we like come full circle where he comes back in and really all he has is heart. And uh, and I, I just felt like it was a it was a really like nice bookend to such a terrible 45 minutes that it's like oh man there there is still like other people in the world that are just so full of heart totally i forgot about uh that fighter uh at the beginning that ditches him entirely until you said it right now oh yeah willie willie whatever did you guys watch luke cage i think that was luke cage I think it was too. I didn't watch it, but I think that was. Yeah, I never saw it. It was all right. I never saw it either. All right, what do you guys say we bring this this episode home? Let's do it. Yeah, Zach, I heard you were buying the servers this week. That oh, I was buying them. Yeah. Yeah. Don't we I buy throw them away every, every week. week? I thought they're your home. Yeah, I throw my home away every week. <laughs> I thought oh, okay. I thought we threw away this server bit. I I really no. thought so too. It's, the only reason it's that it's here leave. is because you hate it, Zach. You should never let Scott know you didn't like it. Yeah, no, you're right. All right, I bought. So why do you think Roland Emmerich has shown up somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> so Zach, now that you've uh, purchased new servers for us, can you uh, can you start things off? Yeah, I'll give this movie an eight point six. Uh, that is Jake. remarkably close to what I was going to give it, an 8.5 pieces of lemon meringue pie. <laughs> canned, of yeah, course. none of that canned crap. I'm going to give this one an 8. And uh, I'm going to give this movie an 8.5 as well. Nice. All right. Just as a reminder, uh, the other guys gave this a 90%. Uh, it was an 8.1 on IMDb. Best Picture winner, Million Dollar Baby on Rotten Potatoes is an 84%. Now ranked number 17. Hmm. Pretty good. I'm pretty excited to never think about this again. Ooh, you're not going to like <laughs> Bummer Summer 3. I'm repressing the back half of this movie as we speak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Zach, I heard you were going to give us like a tease for what the next Bummer Summer movie is during this episode. I'm... Wait, you heard that you heard that I was going to do that? Well, we heard it from you. You told us You that. told us you were going to. Oh, well, I, I said that I was going to reveal what Bummer Summer 3... Oh, okay, 3. you're going to tell us what it is? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I want to okay. see. Do you guys have any guesses? The Pianist. Okay. 12 Years a Slave. Okay. Hunger. Hmm. Uh, well, you're all wrong. Okay. We're actually going to be watching Bo Burnham's Inside. <laughs> I think that's too recent. <laughs> but I don't even know what that is. Is the Bo Burnham's latest stand-up thing oh, on... Oh, oh, his thing on Netflix? His thing on Netflix, thing yeah. on Netflix. Um, man, 12 Years a Slave would have been good 
I I that one might be what I have planned, but uh no, I I'll never forget I'll never forget uh watching that with you and Maddie and having no idea what I was getting myself in for. <laughs> I've seen a lot of bummer movies with Maddie. I, I think I watched Room with her too. <laughs> uh so what's what's the pick? So I decided that I'm actually just going to pull it back a little bit because Million Dollar Baby was such a doozy, such a bummer that I wanted to kind of end us off on a light note and just have us watch a, a little movie called uh, Requiem for a Dream. No. Oh. Please no. Oh. One of the first things we said when we started <laughs> this podcast I don't know what it is, is I don't, don't want to watch about, Requiem so for a Dream. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was actually re-listening to uh, our Blood Diamond episode a few a couple days ago, and I say that on that episode, I don't remember saying it, but I said it on that episode that I was going to make you watch it. I do remember you saying that. No, I think I said it two years ago when we started, or however long ago it's been, a year and a I half. I think you did, yeah, uh, I think you did. Like, but one of I my only conditions was I don't want to watch that movie. <laughs> but I forgot that I actually said it on air. That's the closest well, I've come to swearing say, into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, uh, that's Darren Aronofsky, right? Zach? Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, it's the uh, lesser of all the evils of Darren Aronofsky movies that you could have picked for us. <laughs> that's probably true. It's one of the few that I've actually seen. But I also feel like it. that and Black Swan are probably the only two of his movies that you would be able to say you absolutely should see. Yeah, absolutely. Like pie or uh, mother. Um, mother. Yeah, no, none of the above. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we're not getting to that for a couple of weeks. Uh, next week, uh, we are reviewing Scott's pick. Uh, and so, Scott, what's that, what's that going to be? We are going to do our first sequel movie. Hey. Not our. I, I don't think it's our first. And maybe it is our first sequel movie as well. It is. But it's. We've already done the first one in this series. Indiana Jones. <laughs> right. Which one? <laughs> you just I'm have just, a throw yeah, Which sequel? <laughs> There's four Indiana Joneses. We're going to do the, the best one. The best one. Temple of Doom. Nice. <sighs> this is just my kidding. bummer summer. <laughs> yeah. No, we are doing uh, The Last Crusade. Awesome. Pretty excited for next week. Tyler, do you have uh, any thoughts going into the final bummer summer and into next week's? Please, please, please.